ready. Thanks. The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. We're coming to you live from the Warner Center in Woodland Hills, California. This is the home for Autism Live. It is also the home for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. We're thrilled to be here with you on this Thursday morning. We're going to be live end to end this morning and so thrilled to be back with you guys in regular programming scheduled, uh, scheduled programming. I guess those are the words I want to say. Uh, in any case, we uh, hope that this entire two hours that you will stay with us and be interactive with us because we want to hear from you. We want to know your thoughts, your feelings, your questions, your concerns. There's lots of different ways to connect with us. We're going to show you some of those ways on the screen. While we flash through some of these, I want to remind you that our homepage is autism-live.com. You may have heard that next week we are getting a new website. Dun, 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 dun. I know I've been promising it to you forever, but it's coming next week. And uh, it's still going to be autism-live.com. In fact, when you go there, there'll be a button on the old site that will say, do you want to beta the, the new site? And you'll get a chance to go to that and look at it if you want. And I trust me, once you go to the new one, and you'll never go back, right? Uh, we're going to do that for about a week and then it's going to be uh, just to see if there are kinks and bugs because we want to make sure that you guys can see. And then that's going to be the new site. And I'll give you guys a little uh, a training on how you'll be able to watch the live shows. It's pretty user-friendly, I think you're going to find, and how to ask questions because we're still going to have the live feature. It's just not going to take up so much space. Uh, so that you can easily full screen right from our homepage or easily go and search videos right from our homepage. I think you're all going to be much happier. But right now, for the next week, you still can ask, ask a question. I sounded like I was from, I don't know, Minnesota there for a minute. You can ask a question. Uh, so you can ask a question on the live feature. Uh, in addition to Facebook and YouTube and all those other things, it's just to the side of the computer screen on our homepage, autism-live.com. It's free. You don't have to log in. You don't have to sign up. You don't have to give us a username. There's none of that. There's no credit card. Uh, we don't know who you are. We don't know where you are. 
but you type and hit enter and it shows up here on actually on this screen um, and that way you can have a interactive conversation with me or with the experts that we have here in the studio and we do have a lot of experts that are here in the studio so that's a really cool thing uh, sometimes we have them on Skype you can still talk to them through me on that feature one of the things I like about our live feature and we're keeping this is that Everybody in the world can't see who you are and what question you're asking, right? So sometimes you ask things of a, a sensitive nature. Sometimes you include personal information and I don't share that with folks. Um, and that is going to continue on the new website. Um, you still will be able to ask questions. It's going to be easier for me to get them so that I can be more interactive like, like we are on Facebook because it just takes longer on the live feature, if that makes sense. So, um, but in any case, it's it's there for you. If you don't want people to know, as a friend of mine says, you don't want to put your business on the streets. You don't want people to know which question you're asking. Boy, our live feature is great for that. And we do appreciate when you guys write into us in whichever way that you like. Now, I like to remind you on Thursdays that I do have a lot of experts that are here on the show and I'm not one of them. Just uh, if we can be clear about that, I'm an autism mom and I am a proud mom. I want to phrase that in a different way, especially after the conversation we had yesterday. I'm a proud mom of someone who was diagnosed with autism at one point in his life. And uh, I am a proud mom and that's easy for me to say because I'm lucky. My child got what he needed at the right time from the right people and I get it. That's not everybody's story. And I have a lot to pay forward because of that. If you think for a second that it doesn't bother me if you don't have what I had access to, you don't know me. I lay awake at night and think, how can I make sure that as many people as possible get what I had access to and get access to things that I didn't need that they need, right? Because this is not a one size fits all. So please know that I, I want to be here for you. I always think of myself as one of those old time switchboard operators. I am not the person who has your answers 99.99% of the time, but I probably know someone or could find someone who has an answer. Uh, maybe not the answer sometimes, but an answer to help to get you to a new place. Uh, and I'll, we'll talk about that uh, more in just a minute. But it helps me if I can help you to solve some of the issues that you have going on. So don't hesitate. Put me to work for you. You can email me um, or you can write into the show on the live feature or on Facebook or any of those uh, ways. And if I, if I don't attend to your question, because you must know that at this point we get thousands of questions a week and I do my level best to answer as many as I can, but be persistent. It's a skill that's going to serve you well in this community. Uh, you know, raise your hand more than one time. And, you know, I do eventually, uh, I see, oh, somebody's asked that question before. I got to get on that one. Got to get on that one. Okay. So I hope that you'll participate with us here. You know what I always say, si se puede. We can do this, but you cannot do it by yourself. Hold hands with me and let's go through this together. All right, uh, and now, because it's Thursday, it is time for something we fondly refer to around here as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym, and we try to figure out what in the heck are those people talking about? And not only that, what does this have to do with me? And I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I 
I've had to learn a lot of new things in the last 15 years that I didn't plan on learning. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I thought, not that I ever want to be done learning, but I didn't know that I was going to have to learn a whole new set of jargon. And, and now in the last couple of years, we've had to have another new set of jargon because there's all the insurance jargon. And my feeling about it is, is if you tell me how does this benefit me and the people that I love, I'm more likely to learn about it. So my whole thing is I, I give you these jargon terms. First, we give you the actual definition. Then we make fun of it <laughs> because why wouldn't you, right? Then we give you a working definition and we love to watch the BCBAs and the RBTs and the BCATs squirm because maybe our definition isn't as precise as they would like it to be, but it gives us an entree into beginning to understand this term because understanding it will save us time and money. That's the whole thing. I'm trying to save you time and money right here. Okay, so today's jargon term, we've done it before, is differential reinforcement. Don't you just want to gag when you hear that because you go, what? Differential reinforcement. So, okay, first, here is our actual definition. You ready for this? Providing reinforcement only for those responses within a response class that meet a specific criterion along some dimension or dimensions. For example, frequency, topography, duration, latency, or magnitude, and placing all other responses in the class on extinction. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to have like a cheer button uh, that audience cheers and goes, yeah, because doesn't that help you? Doesn't, now, now you know what differential reinforcement means and can use it, right? <clears throat> right? So <laughs> this is why we do this. Because when somebody says to you in a meeting, oh, well, we're going to use differential reinforcement, and you go, okay. And your choices at that point are to say, can we stop for a second and can you explain differential reinforcement to me, which now eats up the next 10 minutes in your meeting, or what a lot of us do is go, uh-huh, okay. And then we have no idea what's going on. I tell you, it is so important as parents that we, I used to have a sign in my bathroom that would say, uh, Jem's team is only as good as the weakest member on the team and that will not be me, right? because I don't want to be the weakest member on the team. So, okay, let's go to our working definition of differential reinforcement. It's being mindful and specific about what you're rewarding so that only responses that, and see, this is where a BCBA made me write this, so that only responses that meet specific criteria are rewarded and all other responses are ignored. Okay, I, I, I say that definition gets another, <clears throat> all right, let's, let's break this down <laughs> so that we can understand it. You do this all the time. You're already doing differential reinforcement. It's just that if you know that this is something that's effective, I think you'll use it more and more. So imagine that when you were being taught something at some point, maybe um, your mother was teaching you to knit or your dad was teaching you to drive or somebody was teaching you how to say, I love you in Spanish, right? Uh, and they would start and they would break it down a little bit. And when, in the beginning, even though you didn't do a great job of it, 
um, they would go, yeah, that's great. And they would give you praise, right? Or they promised you something. Maybe you started out with the multiplication tables and you were supposed to learn the whole thing and you did pretty good. You got like eight out of 10 of the ones that your mom was quizzing on you, right? And she said, okay, you're gonna get ice cream if you get eight out of 10, right? Uh, and, and she was like, yay, you did a great job, right? But the truth is that you didn't get 100%. And she really wants you to get those math facts to the point where they're at 100%, right? So after, so she's gonna start out and say, you know, if you get 80%, if you get 50%, I'm, I'm gonna let you have a cookie. And then she made it a little bit harder for you and she said, okay, I'll tell you what, now you gotta get eight out of 10 right and I'm gonna give you ice cream, right? And then eventually she, uh, you, you had to get out 100 on it to get something and guess what? Now in life, when you know the answer to what is five times three, Nobody goes, yay, nobody gives you a cookie, nobody takes you out for ice cream, right? Because they moved the goalposts. They kept moving it to make sure that you got this skill and then we move on to the next thing. That's differential reinforcement. That you, for a while, you're gonna reinforce all kinds of things and then you're gonna move the goalposts and you're gonna stop reinforcing the, the things that you reinforced before and then eventually you move it over here and you stop reinforcing these. So let me read through the working definition, being mindful and specific about what you're rewarding so that only uh, responses that meet specific criteria which was the 50% or the 80% or the 100% are rewarded and all other responses are ignored. You do this already, right? But I, one of the things I think it's helpful to know that the term for it, so that you're understanding your BCBAs and meetings, but also because parents get all twitchy about how much time ABA spends rewarding the kid. And they're like, well, you know, I want them to just be able to do this and not have to get a reward for it. Absolutely, but that comes with time. You gotta give that time. When people say to me, well, I don't want to have to reward my 12-year-old for cleaning up their bedroom. I want them to be a good person and just clean your bedroom because that's what we do in our household. You keep your bedroom clean and you don't get a reward for that. Okay, but how's that working for you? Um, because a 12-year-old doesn't care about typical 12-year-old um, doesn't care about keeping their bedroom clean. They just don't. We have to make it meaningful for them, so what we do is we give them a reward. And by the way, when they're five and they're not keeping their bedroom clean, we're, not gonna, we're gonna reward them if they do certain things, but not if they have the room completely clean, right? Because it's unrealistic to think that a five-year-old can keep the room completely clean. I know people who think otherwise, but I'm saying for a five-year-old, keeping the room clean, not so much. Uh, they can pick up the stuff on the floor and then we give them a treat for it, or we give them an allowance, or we give them praise. Um, and it has to be meaningful to them, right? So if praise isn't meaningful to them, they're not gonna keep the room clean. But so then we move the goalposts along and then we say, no, when you're older, you gotta do this. And if you're starting fresh with a 12-year-old, you gotta make sure that it's worth their while. You offer them a, a reward for cleaning their room. And then, you know, over time, the reward gets smaller and it's only given, you know, it's given infrequently. Uh, and, and then eventually it isn't given at all, it's faded out. 
That's the whole deal with ABA. So if you're finding yourself being one of those parents who's like, I don't know why we have to reward our kid for everything. You know, there's just some things in life you have to do. That just, we see that human behavior that doesn't work so well. If you had to go to work and not be rewarded with a paycheck, how long would you stay? Some people might stay forever, right? But a lot of people would be like, I don't think I'm going back today. I love that job, but I, you know, I got other things I got to do. I got to get a paycheck. Um, and it isn't just about the money. It is about the reinforcement of it, being told you're exchanging this to get this. That's how the world works. So differential reinforcement ensures that it works and that the goalposts move and that the individual keeps learning and growing and that we drop off things at the end. I, I love that, you know, uh, when we were potty training my son, everything was that, whoa, potty party. Everything was so exciting. Of course, you know, now no one is cheering. No one is cheering. Um, it's okay, though. It's got the skill, right? All right, differential reinforcement. It's a really uh, an amazing thing. You're already using it now. See what else you can use it on. Okay, now it is time, my friends, for the question of the day. Uh, we love it when you answer on Facebook and let us know your response to the question of the day. Today we want to know what can you do now that you couldn't do five years ago? Listen, I remember when I got offered a radio show and, you know, my background is theater and I had been a guest on radio shows before, but to host a radio show, oh my goodness, I was like, what? Um, I, I don't know how I'm going to do that. And I remember how much preparation that I would have to do for every single hour of the radio show, man, it was a lot because it was a learning curve and I needed to learn how to do it. Then when they said, Oh, okay, now, you know, we, we got a studio. We want you to come in front of the camera. And my response was, I have a face for radio. Uh, are we sure we want to do this with me on camera? I had a lot to learn. And guess what? You know, we've been doing this for seven years, almost exactly seven years now, and I'm still learning. But I am so much more at home here with all of you, thanks to your consideration. Um, and I am able to have a, a, a much better time now. And I don't think that there's a circumstance. I used to watch people who would be on TV and think and be live, and I would think, man, isn't that kind of nerve-wracking and now you know it isn't um, because I have been doing it a lot and the truth is is that we know how to learn something whether you're on the autism spectrum or not it's being able to have lots of opportunities to try and getting reinforcement for it that's it so if you're a teacher or a wannabe teacher out there, we know that's the successful strategy. Now, are there lots of little things to tweak along the way to help learners of all different types? Yes, but the baseline of it all is for anybody, if you're given lots of opportunities in which to try and practice and perfect and you're given reinforcement for doing it. And the reinforcement has to be personal. Um, because what works for me, not going to work for you, right? Um, so keep that in mind for yourself and keep that in mind for the people that you love in your life, whether they're on the spectrum or not. But write in and tell us what can you do now that you couldn't do five years ago. All right, moving on. We are at the topic of the week, my friends. It is that time. So I mentioned before about how important it is to be able to move forward. That's what our topic is today, moving forward. 
it's so easy to get comfortable. And I feel like this has come up in so many conversations lately. There was a talk that I was leading with a group of people the other day, and they were saying, you know, how do you deal with um, the fact that there's so much wrong? You know, in the world, how do you deal? How do you deal with that? But how do you deal with that when, when as a parent, when there were so many skills that my son was behind in? Um, how do I deal with that? Just as as a person uh, moving through a community, how do I deal with that as somebody who just moved from one house to another, and there's just so much to do, right? Um, and so I was with a group of people, and we were talking about the difference between acceptance and contentment that acceptance is having your eyes wide open and saying, here's what is. And I, uh, I love the whole idea of that Byron Katie, um, and we've had Byron Katie on the show before, she has a book called Loving What Is. And what that is, is about accepting that it's what it is in this moment for a reason. And that we have to get comfortable with that that where we are right now, and trust me, I know that some of you are in some difficult circumstances right now, but I'm here to tell you as a message from the future, where you are right now is, is where you need to be. It isn't where you're going to be forever, and that's the contentment piece. You're not content, and that's a great way to be. Be in acceptance, not in contentment. Contentment means, eh, it's good enough. I'm okay. I don't, I don't need to have anything else change. We are living beings and we, we can never stop growing. We can never stop developing. So find the acceptance and make yourself peaceful with the fact that contentment is not a thing that you're going to feel. And, and I say get cozy with that and get comfortable with that and fall in love with that. And, and remind yourself that that just means I'm living and growing because uh, that is the way to be. So we're going to spend a little bit of time today talking about how you move forward when you're in the poop storm because the poop storm will come and get us from time to time. So that's going to be coming up a little bit later. Here's some of the things that are happening on the show. In just a few minutes, we're welcoming back to the show Ben Craighead. And he is a fabulous uh, gentleman, been working at CARD. He was one of, actually, one of our very first guests seven years ago. And so thrilled to be welcome. I think it's probably been seven years since he's been on the show, welcoming him back. And he's going to tell you a little bit about what he is, uh, what his role is, but he's going to answer some questions that uh, you guys have posed. So we're going to take a break and do that. But um, I also want to tell you before we do that, we have another guest who's a little bit later on in the show. David Chamberlain is going to be with us to talk about a new app that's called Interact. And I think you guys are going to be really interested in it. That's in the second hour. We aren't having Bonnie Yates today, which is a bummer, but we're going to have some time to answer questions that you guys have sent in. And we're going to talk a little bit about this moving forward, have our meditation moment. It's all going to be good. Don't go anywhere. Back with Ben Craighead after these messages. When Maddie was diagnosed, I'll be honest, I was very ignorant on what autism was. I knew that autism was basically something that hit boys at the age of two to three and shut down 
And with Maddie, she was doing all the same signs and symptoms as a typical child with autism spectrum disorder. Stand up. I was thinking that we might be moving somewhere so that people could assist us either in the house or us going to see our daughter because she was shutting down to a point that she wouldn't even recognize you being there by putting your hand in her face and yelling her name. She didn't even acknowledge us coming into the room. She had barely any eye contact. She didn't interact with her sisters. She didn't really do anything. She just basically lined up her toys and that was about it. With eight volunteers, including my husband and I, and I'm the team leader, and so I do all the curriculum and, and get everything ready each week. Jana was downstairs until 11 o'clock at night working on curriculum, going through two different textbooks. Look, who's that? And then we, as a group, meet on Monday nights, and we would go through what the curriculum was from Jana. And a lot of times we would go, well, how exactly do you do that? How do you sit her at the table and, and do this trial based? Yeah! What skills has done for us, it's taken that away from Jana trying to figure out the curriculum for one. She can go down, or on our, even our laptop, and she can sit down and through all these questions, it comes up with the different programs. At least for me, it was a relief off my shoulders. I was worried that I might be missing a curriculum that maybe she needs to know, where skills, they have every, every possible thing your child needs to know from zero to seven. They have a program for that. What noise is this? Every program that we did with her, I knew it was specific for what she needed to learn. Because before skills, it was a lot of, okay, well, is that really age appropriate for a two-year-old? You know, because it's not generalized. It's anywhere from zero to seven. This is what your child needs to know in most, in most manuals you'll find. But for this, okay, yep, she should be learning this. And no, she's not four yet. She doesn't need to know that yet. We are so fortunate that Jana was able to attend a conference put on by card that opened the door for skills and that um, there's no looking back for us. We started using the program in November and it seemed like by January something just clicked and she has completely kind of came out of her fog that she was in for quite a while. I have never read a documented case on any child that has not benefited anything from applied behavior analysis and uh, now with this new skills and being you know like the e version of ABA I can't imagine that it doing anything harmful to their child it, it's nothing but exponential growth for us to see her now it is it just blows us away I mean we call her our little miracle child because in seven months time she has just blossomed into this normal functioning child she is developing roundly. She is socializing. She's playing with her peers. She's learning from her peers. It's very joyous. Maddie, can you tell me what you see outside? Snow. Snow? If you're even thinking about doing it, do it. Because the absolute worst thing you can do is do nothing at all. And even if you use this program and it's just a single mom or a single dad working in the evenings with their child, this program is going to benefit them. It's gonna show you where they are, it's gonna show you where they need to go, and it's gonna show you what skills and how to get there. It is an online book on how to help recover your child.
Do you provide care services to someone with autism? Recently, more and more children are being diagnosed with the condition and getting the support they need as awareness grows. But what happens to these children as they grow up? It's estimated that over half a million youth with autism will turn 18 in the next decade, and they'll be faced with a very difficult reality. As children with autism grow up, their services start to disappear or become very difficult to access. Things like medical care, mental health counseling, vocational training, and more. All services that are still desperately needed. The loss of support that youth with autism face as they grow up is so severe that it's referred to in the autism community as falling off a cliff. Adults with autism need the same level of support they had as children to avoid falling off the services cliff. Introducing Skills Living, the web-based software designed specifically to help transitioning youth and adults with autism so they can avoid the cliff and instead fly to success. With Skills Living, help your learner with autism develop the skills they need in all the critical areas of adult life, including self-control, planning, and problem solving, effective communication, performing life skill tasks for independent living, acquiring and maintaining employment or other meaningful activities, developing and maintaining social skills and relationships, accessing transportation and public services, and being safe. Skills Living includes a comprehensive assessment, a data collection mobile app, behavior intervention plan builder, and automatic progress reporting. It also provides a complete curriculum addressing 16 key areas spanning the entire range of functioning adulthood. Skills Living is easy to use and can be implemented by schools, parents, and autism service providers. Call or click today for your free demo and see how Skills Living can help your learner with autism avoid the cliff and instead reach their fullest potential. Skills Living. Wish. Learn. Become. Welcome back to Smarty. This month we're going to be creating eight obstacle puzzles. As we do this fun activity, you'll notice these icons will pop up. These icons tell you important information about the skills we're using to create the craft and where you can find them on the skills program. Skills is an ABA based tool that helps parents create a curriculum that will help their children that are on the autism spectrum. Well, let's get started. The materials you'll be needing are popsicle sticks, tape, and arts and crafts materials. So step one, you're gonna take your popsicle sticks and lay them down and cover them with tape so they don't move around. Now that my popsicle sticks have been secured with tape, here comes the fun part. You're gonna take your arts and crafts materials, they can be paint, markers, whatever you have, and then you're gonna decorate this with a beautiful texture. This is the beautiful picture that I made. Now what I'm gonna do is remove the tape. And now, as you can see, they come apart. And here is your awesome puzzle. Now, the fun part is trying to assemble the picture that you just made now that it's all been separated. I hope you enjoyed this activity with me. Until next time, guys, craft on. To find more about skills and to access all of the lessons you saw in today's Smarty, visit 
skillsforautism.com and click on the parent icon, Skills, the online autism solution. We were just talking about this. I really do think that Ben Craighead was one of our first ever guests seven years ago, and we don't think he's been back since, which is terribly remiss of me. So we're welcoming him back to the show seven years later. And Ben, where are you in the world today? I'm at home in Austin, Texas. Fabulous. But you spend a great deal of time uh, out on the road. And uh, Ben, you have a new title at CARD. Tell us what your new title is at CARD. Yeah, so I'm a regional manager in charge of expansions. So that means any new states or locations, you know, 50 to 75 miles away from an existing card location. I help oversee those new sites, getting them started and bringing card services to new parts of the country. And so for those of you, many people watch our show and have not had access to card because of where they live. And yesterday when we had Dr. Grand Pichet on the show, there was a, a, a parent who was writing in and talking about the fact that an office was opening in their area and how excited they are because they're getting ready to start card services. For any of those people, I just want you to know that Ben is the person that you're gonna see from time to time and have an opportunity to talk to and he'll be helping to make that office come to your area which is a really amazing thing and we're thrilled that ben is heading up that team now because ben is known for doing really good work i want you to know ben that it's always fun when i will go and and talk to a group of parents and there's always at least one person who will come up and tell me uh how amazing you are it wasn't too long ago that i met a grandma I'm just going to tell on you for a minute. She was telling me about how she was at the first intake with her grandchild and the whole family was there. Mom and dad were there and, and there were like two sets of grandparents there and I think there was an aunt and an uncle there. They brought the whole family with them. And at one point, uh, grandma was talking to you and you said, well, what is it that you want this child to be able to do? And she said to you, Ben, I would be so happy if someday this child would look at me and say, I love you, Grandma. And before the meeting was over, the that first meeting, you were got the child to say, I love you, Grandma. She thinks you walk on water, this Grandma. That's a really amazing story. It is an amazing story. Sharing, and it's all you. So um, anyway. I don't know about that. <laughs> Well, we invited you, Ben, to answer a couple of questions that viewers have been writing in, and I handpicked these for you because I thought they'd be good for you. Uh, okay. Somebody wrote in and said, I'm not sure my ABA provider is giving my child the best treatment. I feel like we've stagnated. Is that normal? How do you know if your ABA provider is good? Yeah, that's a really, really great question. Um, I think... It's obviously really important for parents to be comfortable with their supervisors, with the therapists that work with their kids every single day, um, with the admin staff, obviously, having that, that trust and rapport as a team and realizing that you are a team and you're all in this together is, is step one in, in this answer to this question. Um, if you feel like things are stagnating, that definitely happens from time to time. If you have you know, a kid that's a really fast learner and your supervisor hasn't been out to see you in a week or two, there could be, you know, we haven't moved on to the next set of targets yet. And, you know, you just need, again, across the team to make sure that that communication is there to say, we need some new targets, we need some new lessons. Um, he's mastering all of this stuff really quickly. What are we going to do next? Um, if 
you know, there's a little more challenges and things are moving a little slower, um, then again, just that supervisor contact is really important. So making sure that your supervisor's coming out, working with your team, working with you as parents to address whatever challenges they are, to sort of problem solve those situations. That stagnation occurs, it, you know, it's just a natural sort of course of things that you're going to run into a lesson or a behavior or something that's that's harder and it's going to take a little bit longer to problem solve your way out of it. I think as long as you have that open communication and your supervisor's working diligently with your team and with you as parents to address those problems and to try and problem solve them immediately and come up with some solutions, that's how you know you're in good hands. If you feel like you're stagnant and no one's been in touch with you and no one's come out to see you and there's no new ideas or new solutions to that problem, that's where you know you might have a few more concerns. Um, obviously here at CARD we have a ton of BCBAs, a lot of clinical support so that if there's ever a time where you know your your team your supervisor feels like they're a little stuck they don't have an idea of what to do next or they've tried all their ideas and have sort of run out of of ideas then that's where we reach out to our additional our clinical support teams the other bcbas in the office or in the region and can bring in some other eyes on that just to find someone who's maybe seen that particular situation before or has worked with you know that that problem extensively and we can bring in some additional support and help i love that answer uh, because i agree with you that I, we saw this from time to time on my son's case that sometimes you hit a wall and um and it isn't so much about that it's about how everybody's reacting to it uh like you were saying if there's open communication and people are trying that that's that's when you know you're with somebody fabulous and that's why i loved what i had in card um, okay, the next question, I live in a remote area of Georgia where there are no ABA providers. What can I do to give my child their best chance? Sure. Um, yeah, this is something that we encounter or I encounter on a, on a regular basis working in expansion. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of changes in the country over the last couple of years with Medicaid expansion um, and you know the, the greater prevalence of access to ABA for kids um, in a lot of different states. So where, you know, we used to maybe not be able to put a center because the population didn't support it or there wasn't insurance funding available for families in, the, in those particular areas, we're coming into less and less of those situations now. So I would encourage this family that, you know, if, if you're interested in ABA, if you know that you have some sort of funding, give us a call, um, check us out, and we might be able to start a center in your area. Um, there's still some areas where putting a center maybe isn't in the works just because it is too rural to be able to support a full up and running center. But we also have remote clinical services and remote clinical services, we can do the intake, we can help train staff on the ground in the area um, and provide the supervision services for you. That just might not mean, you know, that there's ever going to be a card center, but you can still get card services there. And then in the meantime, if that's not something that we're going to be able to do, or it's going to take a while to get some of those services up and running, um, parent support and parent engagement is a really important thing. And so there's obviously the skills program and we can get access to families for that and we can provide parent training and you guys can be the ones that are implementing the direct services and 
you know, are able to make the same impact that, you know, a therapist would be able to do. We would put you through the same training that our therapists receive. Um, you'd get oversight and supervision and program support and all of that sort of stuff. But parents can definitely step in and fill those gaps where, you know, maybe there's, there's no therapist available or ABA services is just something that's so new to the community that there's not sort of a community um, available to pull from. And having parents be able to step in and fill that gap is a really great way to make sure that kids are still getting the services they need maybe before all the, the formal apparatus around an office is all the way set up. And I love that answer because it was a time in which you couldn't sure. have given that answer, but it is a measure of where we are today and the, and the good work that people like you have done, Ben, that it is available to more people. Um, so, you know, I love the fact that on the show I can sit here and say, if you're watching the show, that means you have an internet connection, which means that you can get access to the CARD curriculum through skills. Uh, and sure. anybody can access that. You go to skillsforautism.com and you can get access to it. There is a, a monthly charge for it. Tell them that you saw it on Autism Live and ask them for the Shannon Penrod friends and family discount. There is one. Uh, so don't you love that? And, um, and then you were talking about training. There is the Institute for Behavioral Training and it is a very low cost. Some of the trainings are as inexpensive as $7 a training that can train not only you, but all the people in your family and your babysitter, all of you for $7. I think the, the most expensive one is probably $30. Um, so you can watch those trainings and train the staff. But if you have the op if there isn't, if you have the opportunity for a center near you, man, push for that. If you can't have that, I really encourage you, as Ben was saying, to use uh, whatever funding you have to get access to skills and an IBT. And if you can have remote supervision, which means that you're talking to somebody like Ben on Skype. Uh, or if, if you have telehealth in your area of the world, or having them fly out. People did that for years all over the world. They had card supervisors fly to where they were to train their staff and be with them once every, what, three months, Ben? Yeah, once a quarter was, was the standard model, yeah. And so, you know, there, there are easier ways to do it now. There's card telehealth. There are all these different ways. But for everybody that has an internet, internet connection, there's a way for you to have card curriculum in your home and, and card supervision in your home if you choose to do, go that way. So thank you so much for doing that. I want to move on. Of course, I lost my, uh, my iPad went down. Let me see if I can get it back. Here we go. So last question. My son is three and recently diagnosed with ASD. He's very high functioning and can talk and interact with others. Surely he doesn't need the 40 hours of therapy a week like the kids who can't talk, right? So I think first of all, kudos to this parent for getting that kid diagnosed so early, especially if he's really high functioning and can talk and still interact with others and do all of those things. So good job to that parent for continuing to be diligent and pursue their diagnosis. I know it's not always easy that young, um, finding doctors who will always support you, especially in those cases of, of kids that have more skills that are a little more high functioning. Um, that's really fantastic. So good job to that parent, first of all. Um, second of all, it, everything that we do is individualized for the kids. So it's really hard to say, like, 
yes, your child will definitely need 40 hours or no, absolutely not, they won't. I think, you know, the research that we have over the last 25 or 30 years supports early intensive behavioral services. And so we want to get to these kids as early as we can. And so you got your kid diagnosed at three. That's amazing. That covers the early part. And then the next part is intensive services. And we want to do as many services as we can as early as we can to fill the gap between where your child is currently functioning and where his typically developing peers are functioning. And so that gap at age three is pretty small. Most typically developing three-year-olds, you know, they, they're still learning most things about the world. So that gap that we need to, to close is pretty small. But if we do a minimum number of hours at age three, then that gap at age four is maybe a little bit bigger. At age five, it's quite a bit bigger. By age six or seven, it's getting really drastically um, different. And it becomes harder and harder to close that gap the longer and longer that we you know, continue on without closing it down. And so what we try to do is just get in there and provide as much support as we can as early as we can so that we can wrap up services and be done as quickly as possible. The goal in this situation, you know, is to provide as much service to close that gap and hopefully be done with services by the time that this kid's ready for kindergarten or first grade. And, you know, we, we always take the, the viewpoint coming in and meeting with families that that's what our intake procedure is all about. We wanna to get to know your child, we wanna to get to know you, your concerns, the skill deficits that you see, try to observe those things on our own so that we can make an individualized recommendation. There's no cookie cutter recommendations, there's no standard program that exists at CARD, everything's created specifically for your kid. Um, so it might be really intensive services for a while and we'd be able to fade out really quickly. And again, all of that is, is sort of dependent on your child's progress and how quickly they're learning and acclimating to the services they're receiving and how quickly they're able to close that gap with their peers. And I love that answer, Ben, uh, because if you're at CARD, um, CARD's gonna tell you what the prescription is for your child, uh, how many hours that they're gonna recommend, and it's gonna be, be based on science and be based on that individual child. The only thing for if you're not at CARD, um, I hear of a lot of parents being told, oh, well, your child's really high functioning, so they only need eight hours. And I want you to remember what Ben was saying about early intensive intervention because you could do eight hours, you absolutely could, but we started this show talking about what are the two ways that people learn the most is by having opportunity to do something over and over again and being reinforced for it. So if you only are doing something eight hours a week, that isn't as many opportunities as 40 hours a week. If you have insurance that is gonna pay for 40 hours a week for your child, don't stand around and argue. Take it, <laughs> take it, take it, Absolutely. take it. Because later on when they're eight, insurance isn't gonna offer you 40 hours. And if you right. can do the most for your child right now so that as Ben was saying, maybe you get to kindergarten and you don't need any more services, trust me. If, if somebody is telling you that you need 40 hours for your child, say thank you and take those 40 hours and think of it like training an Olympic athlete, get them as many hours as you can right now and then later on, you're not going to need as many hours. Don't listen to people who say, oh, your child doesn't need ABA because they're so high functioning. Or don't listen to people who are like, oh, he's three and he's talking, so you only need eight hours. There are zero studies showing that eight hours with a three-year-old 
um, is going to get you where you need to get to. Because I know as a parent where you want to get to is your child not needing other supports. Right, right. And so, so, yeah, it might be a little painful at the beginning. You know, you feel like you're putting your, your really young, tiny little kid, making him do this full-time job, which is obviously stressful and challenging for families. But it's, it's better than the alternative where, you know, your child isn't able to fully participate in all the things that you would like them to because they're lacking in those skills. So that's all we're trying to do is work ourselves out of the job as quickly as we can. Yes, and they do a great job of it too. When, and, and when you take a three-year-old and you give them 40 hours, yeah, maybe you don't have as much time to go to Gymboree as you would have had before. And that's a bummer. Been there, done that, cried about it. But I'll tell you what, as somebody who's been there and done that, it was so worth it because now I get to go to everything. And, and, I, and I get to go to everything and interact with my son because we put in those early hours. But if you talk to a parent who's got a six or a seven or an eight-year-old, they would say to you, oh my gosh, take your 40 hours right now while you can and run with it. You'll, be, you'll never be sorry. Never, ever be okay. sorry. Ben's giving you the very nice, and I'm just bullying you. But, <laughs> but believe me, uh, you can come back and yell at me later on, but I know you won't. I know if you listen, you'll come back and say, thank you, Shannon, because uh, we did the 40 hours and it was worth everything everything ben we just adore you and we are so proud of you and the work that you are doing all over the country and opening these new offices for families who so 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 desperately need them thank you so much and all the people that you work with um and i i uh, i look forward to now some of the people that you're going to meet in the coming months who will have seen you on the show and be like hey i know you <laughs> yeah i look forward to it too and you know, if you see Ben in your neighborhood, it's it means that good things are coming your way. Uh, it's a really fabulous thing. So greet him well and welcome him to your community because uh, it's such a, such a good thing. Thank you, Ben, for joining us. I know you're super busy and we really appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure, Shannon. Thanks All for having me. You take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. That is the fabulous Ben Craighead. Um, so, uh, just, uh, love the work that he's doing. All right. We are going to take a break and then we're going to come back and talk a little bit about moving forward. How do you get there when you're stuck, uh, or it's stagnating or, uh, just in a place where you feel like, oh, I just, uh, you know, I'm fine where we are. I can't push and why you should do that. So stick with us. is everything. Feeling like we have a place where we belong, and when I say we, I'm first and foremost a mother, a mother of a child on the spectrum, and not, and gym owner, and now founder of carrying this to families who need it as well. My son is extremely hyperactive. Getting him to calm down is a very difficult task, so the idea of Rock the Spectrum Gym, where he could just go and run and play and do all these fun things without any kind of worries and just go, 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 and bring down that energy, it just it helps us so much at home. You know, in the home or at school, it's not acceptable, but this is the one place it is acceptable for the child to kind of be themselves and get it all out there and just really just be their, themselves. 
It's an amazing place where my son could go and be himself. Um, you get to meet other parents who are in the same journey as you are. I think the most popular aspect of it is how they include all children of all types, not just all only learning disabled, lower functioning, moderate functioning, high functioning, and non-disabled. Uh, non People there are so friendly, everybody's like family, they always greet you with a smile. There's not one negative thing I could say about any of the employees, they're all absolutely amazing. I think every parent should walk in through those doors and see what an amazing gym it is. Now a diagnosis being one out of six kids are in some way or form affected with sensory processing disorder or autism. That's why We Rock Now is on the rise. People want to be a part of it. People know that they have a community there. They know that they can learn more information about things that they don't know themselves or that they can share, build friendships, and uh, basically get what you get in an OT facility, but it's not $150 an hour. It's 12 Welcome back to Autism Live. I, I just wanted to say there are a bunch of questions that people have been writing in and I want to take some time to talk about as many of them as we possibly can. Uh, a couple of you wrote in and said that you'd like to have Ben's email. I didn't clear that with him, so let me tell you this. Send an email to me and I will connect you with Ben. Um, so my email is s.penrod at autism-live.com. S as in Shannon, dot Penrod, it's P as in Peter, E as in Elephant, N as in Nancy, R as in Robot, O as in Oscar, D as in Dog, at Autism, which I know you all know how to spell, and then it's the hyphen, which is the dash in the middle, right? L-I-V-E dot com, okay? And then I can connect you, and you can do that for any guest on the show. If you wanna connect with somebody, just send an email to me, and I can connect you with them. Okay, um, and I love that Aisha says, I love you guys, Autism Live. You're there every time I needed help. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, and please write in and tell us when you need something. Um, okay, so, and the thing about Facebook is that sometimes it, it bumps the questions around, uh, so I, I, sometimes I don't get the beginning of the thread till the end. But somebody wants to know, can I do ABA therapy online? Now, it depends on which way you're asking. And if you're talking about, can I personally do ABA therapy online for yourself? Is there somebody who can do ABA therapy for me, to me online? No. Um, but there are um, more and more ABA-based learning programs um, so for instance, for little, little kids, there's Camp Discovery, um, where they, um, it's basically a game that they play online and it's meant to, and this is for early language learners, for any child who's acquiring language. So it really ideally for, you know, ages two through six, but we do have individuals who are older 
who are are still acquiring language and um, if if it's enjoyable to them because it's uh, a lot of stuff that is based for that three to six year old but for for a 14 year old who finds it rewarding still very effective right um, so it's called camp discovery it's a free app and it's on uh, Apple products and it's on Android products and um, basically what happens is that the, the first thing it does is it has a bunch of screens and the child taps a, a picture that they like and then it moves them all around and they tap another picture. It's doing a preference assessment. It's, at, it's basically asking the child non-verbally, what do you like? And the child will click things and they, and they interact with them like maybe they click on the star and the star shoots out little stars, right? Or they click on the fish and the fish swims, right? So it'll do this like four or five times to say, hey, you know, what, what makes you happy? And then it starts a lesson and it follows the steps of ABA that it, it um, does errorless learning first and maybe it'll say, touch the duck. And there's only a duck. The duck is the only thing you can touch. There's a big screen and, and it's in a, a room, but there's a duck. And so as soon as they ch touch the duck, it makes a noise and maybe it shoots out stars because it said that they like stars. Or maybe it has little fish swim away from the duck. Um, and it says, good job. It praises them. And so then it'll say, touch the duck. And they touch the duck again. Now the program goes, okay, they know how to touch the duck. So now we're going to make it a little bit harder. And it'll put two things up. It puts, uh, puts up a, du a duck and a shoe. And it says, touch. And, the, and by the way, the duck is bigger and the shoe is littler. And it says, touch the duck. And if they touch the duck, you know, bigger uh, thing that it does, if they touch the shoe, nothing happens. And, and it'll say, touch the duck, and then they touch the duck. And if they don't touch the duck, the duck st starts to pulse, right? So they touch the duck, woo, right? Um, and then eventually the shoe gets bigger, and then there's more things to choose from. But after a, a, a prescribed amount of time, when they're getting it right, then it gives them a, a game within the game to play that has to do with whatever they touched in the beginning and they liked. Um, and then it'll move on, and it tracks all of their progress. It's just so delicious um, and what it's great for is if you have little ones and they're having therapy but then you have to get in the car to go to the center or you have to get in the car to go home or you get in the car to go um, over to speech or OT or it's time to make dinner and you really want to maximize your time so they're done doing the ABA therapy and you hand them the iPad and they play Camp Discovery and they're reinforcing all the things that they just learned so there's those kinds of ABA um, and, and I love, there are other ones too, but I really love Camp Discovery. Um, but if you are talking about for yourself, um, because you yourself, um, ah, somebody said we don't have enough Ben's. I know if we could only clone Ben, if you yourself are the person who wants to get ABA therapy, because there are things, specific skills that you want to work on. Uh, if you're at the point where you're asking for you, then I would say to you that um, it's more important to figure out what the specific skill is that you want. We have a lot of adults who want to work on executive function skills because maybe they're good at things, but they can't finish something. 
or they can't follow a task through all the things that they have to do to be able to get ahead, you know? Um, and there are very specific online things for executive functions to help you. There are apps and there are trackers to help you to do that. There are social skills apps. It really breaks down into the very specific skills. So if you want to, write back and tell me what is it specifically that you're wanting to learn online and I'll tell you if I know of something that can help you to do that. Um, but if you are wanting to learn how to do ABA online, then I really encourage you, the two things that partner together are skills and IBT. IBT teaches you everything that you would need to know to become a, um, a basic level um, behavior intervention therapist. And you can, but you can go progress past that. You can take a series of classes and you can get certified to be an RBT, which is a registered behavior technician. And you can do that online and there's some supervision, some things that you have to do. Then there is, uh, once you've done that, or in addition to doing that, you can get a BCAT, which you can become a board certified autism technician and you can be hired um, to be able to interact with individuals. The difference between the two, by the way, uh, a registered behavior technician, you learn about a broad base of ABA, not necessarily within the scope of autism. If you do your RBT training on um, uh, the Institute for Behavioral Training, you'll get information about autism. But a lot of RBTs don't with other programs. Um, if you do BCAT, it's very specific about autism and you take a test to show that you know what you're talking about when interacting with individuals having to do with autism, not necessarily just kids, right? So that's a really fabulous thing to do. And I will tell you that to do the whole training for RBT, I think it's less than $350, which is less than your typical college class, right? Um, and there are uh, lots of insurance agencies that will only pay if uh, the person working with the child is either an RBT or a BCAT and they have different specifications. So having those credentials makes you eligible to work at all kinds of ABA places. So um, definitely, uh, if you're interested in learning more, I, I encourage you to do that. Uh, for CARD parents, um, CARD will give you access to the Institute for Behavioral Training and to specific modules uh, that they give to you for free because they know that when parents interact and learn the things that the therapists learn, that success of therapy goes through the roof. Seriously, if you want to know the three main things that determine outcome for a child doing ABA, first one is, are they getting their full prescription? And is it a proper prescription, right? Because it's that frequency thing we've been talking about all morning, uh, that you have to have opportunity to learn something. With a typical kid, maybe it's gonna take them three times to learn something, and it might take our kids 85. Well, you know what that tells me as a parent and as a teacher? Oh, it's possible. And oh, we just have to put our shoulder behind it and do a little bit more? Okay, then we'll do it. But our kids can learn. But the difference between three and 85 is a lot of time, and we have to give our kids that opportunity. Um, so that's the first thing that determines outcome, having a really experienced BCBA on your case who can help you to chart how to design the program of we're teaching this first and then we're going to teach this next 
because we're going to maximize how we learn. Super duper important. Everybody at CARD has access to top level BCBAs to help them to get to the most progress. But guess what the third thing is that determines outcome? Parent involvement. When parents get involved and they learn the techniques that the therapists are doing and learn how to use them, it means that more therapy happens even after therapy and that the kids are more reinforced and the kids have more opportunity. So definitely, um, I hope that you have the opportunity. Check out ibehavioraltraining.com. That's where you do the trainings to know how to do ABA. Um, and there are all these things that you can choose from. Don't get overwhelmed. There's three different tracks and they're across the top of the website. So it'll say uh, for providers, which are ABA providers. So that's if people are already um, working at a, at a place and even for BCBAs, for board certified behavior analysts. So that's really high level. They're gonna use a lot of jargon in those trainings. I would encourage you as a parent, maybe don't start there, but you can get there anytime you want to. They're not gonna exclude you from that and say, oh, you're not already an RBT, you can't go there. You can go there whenever you want to. Um, but the second one is for teachers, and oh, I encourage you when it's Teacher Appreciation Week and you need to give a gift, give your teacher the gift of one of these trainings. My favorite one to give teachers is the one that talks about how to set up a classroom so that it's reinforcing. Um, and not sensory overload. That's a great one. You know what else is great? Uh, a training and how to help kids who are on the spectrum to deal with all of the safety, like the safety drills. Oh, what a great gift to give a teacher, right? It's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, so that's a great one uh, to do. So, uh, and then the third one is for parents. Now you're gonna see in the parent one that some of the topics are fluffier and you may not need all of them. Like there's, there's one that's just about dealing with holidays and holiday stress. Now some of you might be like, oh my gosh, well I want that one. But others might go, no, I wanna know how to get compliance from my child. Um, you can pick whatever you want. Um, and they're really super inexpensive. Um, some of them are $7. I think the most expensive one is, is like $30. And if you think about it, if you were gonna buy a book, the book would cost you $30 and then it would take you forever to read the book. Would you get the whole book? The trainings are between a half an hour and two hour long and you can pause them and come back to them. Um, and you get, to, you get to watch it and whoever else you want to watch it, they license that video to you for like three months at a time and you can show it to as many people as you can get their face to watch the screen. Isn't Right. Uh, and I know people who have said, we're watching this training, you know, uh, grandparents come over here, we're watching this training in the living room on Saturday at three, everybody's present and accounted for. Um, okay, so, uh, but oh, you clarified for me, is there an ABA therapist that gives an online service, especially CARD? Well, CARD has CARD telehealth. So what, and you can talk to them about that, but again, that's going to be them um, it, it makes a difference if you're asking for a child or for you. Um, because what they generally do with CARD Telehealth is help you to design the program, which means they're giving you choices about what lesson to learn next. 
Now there are therapists for adults who do telehealth with the adults and they do a wide variety of different things with them that they will use some ABA techniques. A lot of times for adults, they use CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy to help them to overcome anxiety and being stuck in a position. So CARD has telehealth and it's called CARD Telehealth. They even have a Facebook page if you want to go on their telehealth page. And then you can ask them specifically about what it is that, um, that you want to get. Oh, but you told me that your son is six years old. So what they would do, they wouldn't be doing therapy with the child online. They would be talking to you about what for you to do. And they would tell you, you know, watch this IBT training, and then they would go through it with you, and they would say, here's the lesson and skills that we want you to do next. Um, and so that would be online supervisioning, supervision. Uh, Marilyn says, my child is doing well in ABA, and they come to our house. A lot of um, ABA providers uh, come to the house. Um, what I prefer is if they have the, the both um, in the home and center-based. And here's why. A uh, recent study that was done by CARD showed that they took a group of kids who were learning at home, and believe me, my child had home-based, and I referred to it as the ABA miracle in my living room, right? I, got, I have nothing against home-based at all really great and my kid is doing great because of home-based but what card did was said let's just compare um where kids learn more let's you know take the data that we're so famous for so they took a group of kids who were learning in the center and they tracked their progress as they were doing anyway and then they took a group of kids who were getting home-based and they tracked their progress as they do and they compared them and they went okay this is interesting the kids across the board in the center learned faster so, okay, we're comparing apples to oranges. Maybe this group of kids just, for whatever reason, learn faster than the kids who were at home. Maybe it's coincidental. So then they took the kids who were at home and said to the parents, would you be willing to come to the center for a short period of time and just so we can compare? And so the kids who had been at home came to the center and guess what? They learned 80 to 85% faster at the center. Now, do we know exactly why yet? No, but I will tell you that there are a couple of reasons why we think that that's true. And one of them is, is that when you're doing therapy at home, um, you know, there are always gonna be a certain level of distractions that the child is keyed into, whereas the center, it's different. And you would think it would be more sensory overload, but it doesn't bear out. Uh, the kids just learn faster and they don't have the things that they're used to paying attention to, so they pay attention to the therapist, uh, which is interesting, right? But also at the center, at home you're learning something and then what we want ultimately, we're learning something at the table, uh, right? And then we want to take that into the real world. Well, at the center, you get to do that almost immediately. So you're sitting there at the table, you learn a lesson, and then you take a break because they do and they play with try to continue the lesson that was done at the table in the play that they do after the break. Watch. It's amazing how they do that. But now they have access to other kids and other people. So they can take the child, they're working at the table doing whatever, and they go, okay, it's time for us to take a break. Let's go up to the, the front where Miss Addy is sitting, and let's just have a break and have a conversation with her. And the kids love Miss Addy, who sits at the front desk, and they go up. And they've already arranged this with Miss Addy, and maybe the lesson that they were learning is how 
how to respond when somebody says, what's your name? And so the therapist sat at the table with them and said, what's your name? And the, and the child got reinforced when they said, you know, my name is Billy. And the therapist reinforced them. It's great. It's great. It's great. So now we go up to the front and they go up to Miss Addie and Miss Addie goes, well, hello, what's your name? And the child has another opportunity with another person who says it in a different way. And so the child says, my name is Billy. And Miss Addie goes, oh, Billy, that's awesome. Now they're reinforced in this other way. Now we go down the hallway and there's the supervisor, Miss Sabrina, Miss Sabrina, how are you doing? And she says, so what's your name? And he says, Billy. And now he's got it right? Because he's done it with three different people. He gets it. We've already gotten to generalization and it was all in that moment. Whereas home, we did it at the thing and then maybe we went to mom, but we didn't get all of those opportunities. Plus they have opportunities with peers at the center because there's other kids there too. And I think one of the other big reasons why center-based is so wildly effective is because those trained BCBAs that we know are a part of getting it done are right there. So they're interacting with the therapist. They're giving them real-time training, real-time adjustment, and saying to them, hey, try it this way. So the therapists learn faster, the kids learn faster, and everybody has great outcomes. I loved my home-based program, but when I think about the fact that it took us five years of intensive ABA to get where we get, and maybe, maybe we could have gotten there in three, and when I think about that, I want to cry. I want, I want to be like, oh my gosh, what could we have done with those two years? So I just put that out to you. Now, are there some lessons that have to be done at home? Yes, they do. Um, so even when you have a center-based program, there are going to be times when they're going to want to come home to, to learn a lesson. Um, so, something to keep in mind. But love, love, love a great home-based program. But if you can get a home-based program that has a center-based component to it, then you're cooking with gas. Um, okay, uh, somebody said, use a timer, five minutes left, and let them hold it, and you have control. Your child thinks that they do. Oh, I love that. Um, okay, to be an RBT, do I need a BCBA uh, to sign me in? I'm asking because I signed up for this on the web, and after I paid $100, it was asking uh, me to have an ABA, uh, a BCBA to guide me. You do have to have supervision from a BCBA, but you know, there are BCBAs uh, in a lot of places, and if you sign up for a program that has an, AB, uh, an RBT component to it, they, they should have access to BCBAs to set you up with. I know when you do it through IBT, they do. Um, and the card has lots of BCBAs who help to sponsor um, people that are becoming RBTs. They, and if they don't, they should refund your $100, uh, whichever program that you did. I have to plug in my phone. I'm going to lose my, my phone battery. Uh, okay, so um, hang on a second. Um, I, my husband's watching. Hey, honey, how are you? Uh, okay, uh, now we had a bunch of people who wrote in on YouTube as well. And we had somebody who wrote in um, and said that they're having difficulties with their ABA provider because... Um, they're not getting, they were told that they could get 40 hours, they haven't gotten 40 hours, and that there's a lot of turnover that, that therapists have come, BCBAs have come, and they're not getting their full hours. I want everybody with me collectively to take a deep breath because this is often a story that is told in the world of ABA. 
and 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 it's across all providers you are going to see that there is a lot of turnover a lot of people come in and and get trained at, to be um, therapists and some stay for a while and some don't uh, and some of the ones who stay for a while go on to you know become supervisors and become bcbas and some don't some stay for two years and they leave I want you to know that this is across all providers. Even CARD has an issue with the fact that we don't have enough therapists. Now, let's talk about this from a lot of different points of view because this is part of our discussion of moving forward. If, if what you need are therapists, um, there are a lot of things that you as a parent can do. Um, I tell all of our card parents that it's important that we all help to restock the shelf. Um, because if, if what you need are the therapists, then let's be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And I carry with me in my purse at all times little cards that say that card is hiring because card is always hiring. And when I'm someplace, I'm, you know, I have done this. Um, at a Target store where somebody was giving me really good customer service and they were being really super polite and I had my two grandnieces with me and they were being very kind to them so that I saw that they like children um, and they were just super fabulous and I was like, hey, I see that you like children. Are, are, is this where you're planning on working for, for the rest? And they said, oh, you know, I'm going to school and it's just really hard to get a great job while you're going to school and I said, no, it really isn't. And I gave them a card and I said, call. And, uh, you know, and I, there's a place on the back of my cards that, and card gives, makes these available to parents. I'm sure other ABA providers have things like this too, but there's a place to sign your name on the back that says, you know, call this number and tell them that so-and-so thinks you'd be a good therapist or whatever. I have, have done this uh, in restaurants. I have done this at a, um, a fast food drive-through where the young man was giving such good customer service. And I was like, you deserve to be doing a job that's going to set you up for more success than working the line at Carl's Jr. Um, I have had great success with picking great people who come in and start out and, and they end up hanging around because who better than us? to say this person would be good. Now, of course, they go through, it's not up to us, then we just referred them, and then they have to go through a whole bunch of things and a whole bunch of trainings. But why do ABA therapists come and go? Well, part of it is, is the age range. You know, we need young people who have tons of energy, who get down on the floor with our kids, um, and they're flexible. Their time schedules are flexible, and it works with a college schedule, and they need jobs. And they're not necessarily looking for full-time jobs. So, you know, that's part of who the job attracts. And it's not good for everyone. Not everyone is going to be a good therapist. And my reality as a parent, some, one of the things that I noticed after five years was that, you know what? Some people are going to go and it's okay. Like some people should go. Some people this is not their lifelong calling. I, after a while, separated people into uh, several different columns, that there are people who are rock star therapists, man. They're the people that you are just gonna like thank your lucky stars that they're working with your kids. And, and we love it when, our on, when they're on our team, but there is heartbreak there too, because guess where the rock stars are moving? Up. 
And the minute that you get comfortable with them, they're going to get a promotion and they're working their way to being BCBAs, which means they're not going to be on your kid's case for very long. And that's the truth. And you got to make your peace with it. When you get a rock star on your team, use them for all the time that you can because they're moving up and they're moving fast. And you'll see them again because eventually some of them end up being the supervisors on your kid's case. Um, but get excited because they're, they're the awesome people. But not all of your ther therapists are going to be rock stars. And you got to make peace with that too, because if they were all rock stars, if you could have your heart's desire and have nothing but rock stars, let me just tell you, it wouldn't be what's best for your child. You know why? Because your child has to go out into the world and everybody isn't a rock star at ABA. Your fifth grade teacher for your child is not going to be a rock star at ABA. And if all your child has ever had are rock stars, your child's going to get to fifth grade and have a problem. What we want is a really varied group of people. It's great to have a rock star. It absolutely is. But they cannot and should not all be rock stars. Then there's the group of people that I really call the worker bees. These are the people that are all about taking the data and they're all about the lesson gets done this way and that's the only way to do it and they're boring. And there are some therapists that are like that and they have their place on the team. They get a lot done and they're about following the rules and that's great, but we don't want a whole team of those people either, right? Because they're a little bit less exciting to our kids, but man, they get it done. They're all business, they get it done. And our kids know and recognize that they're not gonna mess around and that they can't be pushed, right? That I gotta do it this way, and our kids get that. And they're gonna encounter people like that in their life, so it's good to have those people on the team. Stuff gets done. Then you have the people who are, they wanted a job, right? And so they took the job. They're not the rock stars. They're not the people who push, push, push and necessarily get a whole lot done, but they come in and they do their jobs. Um, and some of them bring a special talent and some of our kids uh, like are drawn to them because they're funny. Um, and those people have a place on the team too. They're not the rock stars. They maybe don't do every single lesson perfect. And I know this sounds like heresy, right? We want somebody to come in and do it perfect. No, we really don't because the fifth grade teacher is not going to do it perfect. As long as you've got one therapist on the team who's doing it right, having somebody who's new or not quite doing it exactly the way everyone else is within a certain realm of, we don't want them doing it totally wrong either, but within a certain realm, if they're doing it a little bit different, that's going to help. That actually is going to help. And then we have the newbies. And the newbies are the ones that are fresh off the printing press and they're nervous because they're like, oh, I'm not entirely sure I know what I'm doing, right? That tends to make us as parents nervous. Don't be. Because those newbies ensure that your child is going to make progress. They're the ones that are, are in there to make sure. And I know parents always say to me, I don't want them training somebody with my child. I want them to get the best. Somebody who, no. I know you think you want that. I said I wanted it too. But I can tell you, as somebody who then through it, what works is the conglomeration of all of it. And you need to have people coming and going because the fifth grade teacher is going to have a substitute teacher. And what are you going to do then? Your child needs to be able to be prepared to work with everybody. So therapists are going to come and go, and it's okay. It hurts. 
It does. Listen, when our favorite therapist said to me, I'm leaving to go to Dubai, uh, right? I didn't think I was going to survive it. But not only did I survive it, my kid survived it. And my kid did great. And my kid went on to be the ring bearer at that therapist's wedding, not in Dubai, okay? These, we don't lose them forever. It feels like we do. Um, but so you are going to experience therapists coming and going. What you have to steal yourself for is doing whatever you need to do to ensure that your kid has their prescription. So if you were promised 40 hours and you're not getting 40 hours, that's a daily phone call to your ABA provider saying, when am I getting them? And if it goes for a very long period of time, you have to escalate that. If you're not getting information from the office, you have to escalate it to the person over the office. If you're having that experience at CARD, don't you sit there. You call me uh, and I will find out what's going on. Um, there have been times when a CARD office has not had enough therapists and then they you know, get a bunch more therapists and, and a bunch more people go. I mean, it happens, right? But don't let it happen for a long period of time. And if you see that that's happening for you, you reach out to me, s.penrod at autism-live.com. And, um, and I'll double check on it, but I'm sure if, that's hap if, it, if it ever happens at CARD, there's a team of people working on it day and night because we never want to have a kid not have their prescription for a long period of time. But we as parents can help recruit, 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 recruit. If you have family members, if you follow me on Facebook, you know at least a couple of times a year I'll do a post and say, hey, to all of my friends that I went to high school with, that all your kids are in college right now, where are they going to college? Do they want a job? Do they want a job that's not working fast food? And by the way, it's a job where they don't have to work on Friday night or Saturday night. So they can have time to socialize, but they're going to work Saturday morning and Sunday morning. And the parents love this, right? My kid has the option for a job. This is wonderful, and it's a job that looks great on your resume for the rest of your life. It's a fabulous thing. Uh, I am losing track of what time it is, and I believe that we have, uh, we're late for a guest. Okay, see, I get excited, and then I lose track. We're going to take a break, and when we come back from the break, we're going to be joined by David Chamberlain, and he is the founder of a new app that's called Interact, and we're going to let him tell us what this is and why we should all be excited about it. So stick with us. We're going to be right back after these messages. Potty training is different for every child. A child could come in with absolutely you know, no control over their bladder, and as long as that's not a medical issue, then we can certainly approach it behaviorally and give them the tools they need to be successful, you know, just like any other skill that we would teach. Well, we think he's learning to pee on the potty. No big successes yet, and lots and lots of accidents. Here is the laundry from today. For some of our kids, it takes you know, just a couple days. And then for other kids, it can take months and months and months. And then when you're looking at complete independence, it can take years. Hey, you have to go pee-pee? There's a lot of different ways to tell if a child is ready. We look for a couple different things. Um, probably sorry, the most important me? is parents saying, I need this to happen, I'm ready. Second is you know, a child showing interest in the bathroom. Hello? And some of it is simply age. It's time to go uh, ahead and, and work on this. What are you doing? I'm pooping. You're pooping? 
you first start with teaching the yeah, child what they need to do on the toilet. The basic yeah, thing yeah, we want yeah, is yeah. for them to drink as much liquid as possible. It's inevitable that if you drink a bunch of liquid, you're gonna pee. Help. No, you, no, I can't help you pee. Help. I can hold your hand, but I can't help you pee. Ultimately, what we want is that, you know, the child, as soon as they're put on the toilet, they urinate. So that's step one. Step two is usually um, sure. working through the amount of here, time that they're here. off of the toilet and making sure that they're not having accidents okay, during okay. the time that they're off. So this is kind of the bladder control stage of things. So the purpose of the potty log is just to see how Got long it. it takes them as <laughs> Thank soon you as they sit on the potty for them to actually urinate and the amount of time that um, he's able to hold his urine. And with the log, we're able to okay, visually see to how long it takes them each time, if they have the accidents or not. He's on a half hour potty schedule. So if he doesn't go when we take him, then we have to take him in 10 more minutes. So every 10 minute intervals until he does go. And then we reset the clock and it's 30 minutes again. Okay, buddy. Okay, last chance. Last chance to go pee-pees. Do we reset it for 10? Oh, if it's one, oh, if it's not one thing, it's the other. That's always the way it goes. <laughs> what we hope happens in this time is that the kids will learn how to initiate going to the bathroom on their own. This is oftentimes the hardest part of potty training is because they get so used to somebody telling them when they need to go that they're not really recognizing the signs just in their own body of when they need to go. Uh-oh, he wet himself. Uh-oh. Oh. Big wet? Was it a lot? <laughs> we can reset to half an hour now. The biggest thing for parents is not to give up. The other big tip, and I think pitfall that a lot of parents fall into, is putting their children back into pull-ups or diapers especially if they're starting to have accidents. And this is probably the worst thing that you can do. They need to recognize that feeling of fullness in their bladder and take themselves to the bathroom or tell an adult that they need to go to the bathroom. What do you have to do? You have to put your pee pee in there? Hi. Okay, give it a shot. Pee pee, gotta put it in there. Mm -hmm. There you go, there you go! differential reinforcement right there. I can assure you that that young man is not having that many claps and whatever uh, for urinating on the toilet anymore, but it was necessary there to get it reinforced. Okay, welcome back and very excited because right now joining us via Skype is David Chamberlain and he is the founder of a new app called Interact. So David, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. We're really excited that you're here. So talk to us a little bit about what Interact is and why this could be very helpful to our viewers. Sure. So Interact is a mobile application that connects parents with um, local services and resources for special needs. So we cover autism, Asperger's, um, Down syndrome, a lot of different conditions. And we try to make 
or try to provide as many resources as possible in the local area. Okay, so give us an example. I'm a parent and I've got this app. What kinds of things might I look up and find? So you can look for behavioral therapists, you can look for occupational therapists, uh, you can look for local um, family health care providers, you can even find the card offices that are local to you. We, we've got most everything in there that I could find. And, and including things that are like places that are, are friendly for our kids for things like social things, right? Yeah, yeah, we include activities as well. So we've gone through, and especially for the Orange County area and Los Angeles County, we can find um, local whale watching tours, or you can find local parks, uh, baseball stadiums, anything that, that you could go to as a family. It's all listed in there. I have said for a long time that, you know, the autism community is sort of missing the boat in that there isn't a place where we could go to find out all the events that are happening that are things that we should consider going to. Because I live in Los Angeles where we have an embarrassment of riches where every week and every weekend there are 32 different events going on. But even me hosting a show where people like write to me and go, hey, I'm doing this event. I think I know like a lot and I a lot of times something will happen and go I didn't know that was happening I, I had no how did you know about that and and it's fascinating to me how much I cannot know so I love this idea of having a place where I can go that already gets what my preferences are and that I want to know things that are autism friendly and that are going to help and support me um, and picking which kinds of things to do so that if you're on a Saturday afternoon and like oh I don't know what what to do, that you could go on there mm -hmm. and look and, and find some really cool things that are uh, not necessarily autism specific, right, David? No, not exactly. It's more so for um, any special needs family, but the reviews are segmented so that they can choose tags. So for example, they could say that if they're leaving a review, they can say it's with an autism tag so that you know it's coming from a family that deals with autism on a regular basis. I just love, love, love this idea. So I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that we have an opportunity to have you on and talk about it. So where do people need to go to get the app? Uh, it's available on both app stores, the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. But you can get the links on our website at interact.how. Okay. And, um, and then they, after they found an event to go to, you were mentioning a, a review. It's kind of like Yelp, right? That you can, you can yeah. say, I went to this. And, and it was super cool, or I went to this and it wasn't so good for autism for, you know, there was sensory issues. And if you have a kid who doesn't like loud noises, this may not be the thing. Um, but yeah. a lot of times what you find are things that are super cool that you may not have ever known about. Yeah, exactly. And what we really want to do is give families the um, a review platform so they can find local hidden gems that are great for their families and for other families that are dealing with special needs. And you mentioned that specifically um, there's a lot of uh, things to look at right now in Los Angeles and in Orange County. What, mm -hmm. but it, how many places does the app apply to right now? So we're, we're very new still. We're just covering um, Los Angeles County, San Diego County, Orange County, and Riverside County. Okay. And, and we're going to be expanding from there. Okay. And so if a parent is watching this who just went, oh, no, because I'm in Houston, I really need this. Um, where are you looking to expand next? And if they write to you, is there preferential treatment given to places where people ask for it? 
<laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We're, we're looking for places where there are people looking for services. So if you email us on our website or reach out to me directly, I can put it on the slate so that we come out quicker. Okay. And so how can they get a hold of you? Uh, on the website, there's a support link that you can email, and it'll go to our team. Otherwise, you can email me directly. That would be david.chamberlain at interact.how. Okay. So tell me the website again. Uh, our website is interact.how. Interact.how, and you can go on the support yep. tab there uh, to learn more about it. So as people have been interacting with this, I love the mm -hmm. name, by the way, because uh, <laughs> it you. speaks about what exactly you're wanting them to do. As people have been interacting with Interact, uh, what kinds of things have you been hearing? What kind of success stories have you heard? Uh, we've been hearing a lot of good things. Uh, families finding local um, behavioral therapists that they didn't know about before. There are some local coaches that are reaching out and saying, hey, this is great. It makes it easier for me to recommend services for families. And we're finding some areas where we need to improve, obviously, since it's new. But all the feedback has been fantastic so far. One of our viewers wants to know if you're from Las Vegas. Uh, no, I'm not. I, I grew up in Orange County. There you go. I don't know why they wanted to ask that, but they somebody wrote that on Facebook. <laughs> David, are you from Las Vegas? I just got to forward that. Um, okay, so, but David, why did you decide to do this? What was it that made you go, you know, what the world needs is this? Well... Growing up, I had a friend that had a learning disability, and I spent weekends with him and his family, and they were always trying to find local services for him, and I, I remember the struggle growing up. And I, I went to Cal State Fullerton, got a degree in entrepreneurship, and started working outside of, uh, outside of the school once I graduated, and got the itch to start something. And that idea that there were families that were in need and they were having difficulty finding services popped into my head, and I, I wanted to create something for them. I love it. I absolutely love it. I was just in Fullerton on Friday night, and I happen to love Fullerton. And I was trying to talk my son into loving uh, Cal State Fullerton. What would oh, be the what? What should I tell him about Fullerton that maybe I don't know that will absolutely seal the deal? What's the most fabulous thing about Fullerton, uh, Cal State Fullerton? Mm. That, that's a good question. I, I would say one of the biggest benefits for me because my family moved out to Corona. Um, for high school, and I moved back to Fullerton to go to college. So living on campus was great because you're surrounded by different cultures, and uh, there, there's a huge international student program. And it, it was a nice, quiet kind of community that we're a part of because even though the school has close to 40,000 students, most of them are commuting. So you've only got a couple thousand that you actually live with and interact with on a daily basis. Oh, fascinating. See, I wouldn't have known that about that. Okay. Uh... <laughs> side sidetracked but I was just there and I, and I was like isn't Fullerton great you should go to college here because I love Fullerton so much um, but in any case and you know bringing it back to interact um, I was at an event on Friday that was an autism event and uh, to raise money for Fullerton cares and afterwards there were a whole bunch of people who saw me post about it and they were like I didn't know about this so this is one of the things that you can, if you go on Interact, and is there a charge for the app, David? No, it's absolutely free. So you can go on there and, you know, I find myself a lot of times 
um, going on some of the different services that are out there that tell you things that are available for the weekend. But, you know, it's like having to sort through all of them and understanding that I'm, I'm looking at something with a group of people who don't have the same concerns that I have, that don't have exactly. the same issues that I have, and I don't have a way of filtering it. Um, but mm -hmm. so this is a quick, fast, easy way for our families to be able to, you know, have a home down thing and be able to see reviews from other people who are like minded. Now, I also okay. know that there are people watching the show right now who have groups and they do activities. So how do you get an event on Interact? So right now we don't actually manage um, individual events or activities like that. We, we manage the businesses and uh, the people that are advertising, advertising their, their services on a regular basis. I see. So, so for example, you had the, um, the kids gym on earlier. That would yes. definitely be somebody that we would add on there. But if it was just uh, a meeting group that happened every once every couple of weeks, that wouldn't necessarily be represented. Okay. Because for instance, here in Los Angeles in the month of December, Autism Live always does a sensitive Santa event where we have a, a Santa who's particularly fabulous um, and we give away free toys and we're going to start announcing this, but I would love to have something like that on Interact. So I want you to consider uh, if, you, if we could have events like those so that families could be like, oh, that's, I, you know, I know families that come to our, we've been doing the sensitive Santa event now for five years. And there are families mm -hmm. who are like, who will watch our website because they don't want to miss it because you have to get registered and your, your child gets a free gift and you get to take all the pictures you want with Santa and it's totally free. Right. But they, they're like, how do, I, how do I stay in the know so I know when the sensitive Santa? It's a lot like being there uh, for Ellen's show when she's giving away stuff. Uh, everybody wants to come to that thing. So I would just say, David, as my little suggestion, if you can find a way to include those things, boy, um, those of us who have those events would sure appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'll definitely look into it and see if there's a way to add it. Massively cool. Uh, all right, so again, tell us the website so that we don't forget. Sure, the website is interact.how. Okay, and, um, and but then we can get the, when we go, I find that a lot of times when I go to get an app, there are lots of things that are named similarly. So I'm looking okay. for the Interact app. Is there anything else that I can make sure that I'm getting the right one? What will it say on it when I go to the, the web stores? Yeah, if you look for Interact Special Needs, it should okay. come right up for so you. So it'll say, say spe Special Needs. Okay, fabulous. Yep. Well, I think that you are an amazing young entrepreneur and that you've really hit it out of the park here. I think this is something that we're all going to be so excited to be using, especially if you add those events. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, really, really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. And, and we wish you big, big success. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me on. Thank you so much, David. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. We're going to take a break and then we're going to come back with uh, some more of you guys' questions. And I promised that we were going to get to uh, a mindful moment. And we are going to talk some more about moving it forward, how we get ourselves unstuck. Because a lot of us have, and myself included, we have something known as stinking thinking, which is that you get on the same habit trail and go over the same things over and over and over. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Stick with us.
Hi, I'm Shannon Penrod, and we're at the ABCs and XYZs of Special Needs Conference. And this year, for the first time, they've got something really remarkable. It's the Entrepreneurial Boutique. These are all items that have been made and are being sold by individuals who have special needs. So we're going to do a little shopping and talk to some of these fabulous entrepreneurs. Come on. My name is Molly Rarick, and I'm founder of Reed's Gift. We're a nonprofit that serves teens and adults with special needs, like Chase here. Uh, we were founded in 2013 and serve people in the Conejo Valley, Santa Barbara, and LA. Our main objective is to give our participants the skills they need to gain a more independent life. My name is Shelly Cox and um, Lisa Zalagi and I are founders of Creative Steps and Create Micro Business Enterprises. And the, the items that we're selling here today are all made by the clients who have uh, passions about what they want to make and then they get the profits from what they make after we've paid all of the other expenses. We are here today because um, I, my goal is to be independent and also I would like to share all my artwork and I would like to sell. Thinking about at his young age being a businessman, you know, it's, it's amazing. I cannot be more proud. Welcome back to Autism Live. Well, we've d accomplished a lot today, but I promised that we were going to talk a little bit about moving forward and, and marry that to our mindfulness moments. So there's been a lot in the media in the last couple of years about the whole idea of mindfulness and what it is and what it isn't. And I know a lot of us had preconceived notions about this. And, um, you know, Eckhart Tolle had uh, two books and Oprah did this whole thing with Eckhart Tolle. Um, and, and really, um, and there's so many other people as well that um, talk about mindfulness. And what I like to pare it down to is that um, our, and it goes along with ABA, there, there is always a conversation going on in your head, right? And the conversation in my head is different than the conversation in your head. But while I'm talking to you, there's a whole bunch of things going on in my head that are noticing other things and some, sometimes actually talking to ourselves inside our head while we're talking to another person, right? I love comedy where they show two people talking and then we get to hear what they're really thinking um, or, or we get to see little thought bubbles to hear what's really going on in their head that somebody says something and they go, oh, that's so lovely. And in their head they're going, what is that person thinking, right? There's always a conversation that's going on in our head. Well, mindfulness says that if you can quiet the conversation, that there's even more that you can notice if you take it to a place that's nonverbal. Now, isn't that interesting? Because our kids, some of the time, are nonverbal and we're trying to take them to verbal and part of what we need to teach them to get them from nonverbal to verbal, one of the skills that we're teaching them is perspective taking, which is the understanding that what you have going on in your head is different from what somebody else has going on in their head. It's a lot of little arms and legs and understanding to understand all of those different things. Um, but for instance, for ourselves, um, we are, we, you know, we have a whole bunch of commentary that's running. And if you notice when you're upset, the, 
the voice in your head can sometimes be more persistent and louder, right? Or more commentary. Um, I always referred to that voice as the yabba yabba. And when I used to teach young acting students, because I used to teach college theater, you would see it happen on stage that somebody would be on stage and they would say a line and then there would be like this disconnect moment, right? And I would say, what just happened there? What just happened there? And they would say, oh, well, I said the line and then that voice in my head said that that wasn't good. And, and I would say, oh, that's the yabba yabba. The yabba yabba is talking to you. Tell the yabba yabba to shut up and just be in this moment. Don't let the yabba yabba be your critic. Well, we all have a yabba yabba who's talking to us all the time. You know, the voice that you say something, you do something and the voice goes, oh, you're so not good at this. Like, or, oh, you're so, you know, you're being so stupid, right? It can be very critical, the yabba yabba, if you're not careful. Um, and we want to, with mindfulness, get ourselves present. Because if that yabba yabba is quiet, it's amazing how good now is. If we are able to breathe and not in constant pain, the now is pretty good. Um, it's, it's amazing to me that the, the things that those of you who have panic, and I've had panic attacks before, panic attacks almost never happen while something panic causing is happening because your brain is too busy and your body is too busy. There are things to deal with. Um, even when people are in like really dire situations where you would think, oh my gosh, Thinking about it would give you panic, right? But in the moment, that's often not what their experience is because they're in survival mode, right? So we have panic when we're thinking about something that happens, which means we're not present. So if we want to have less stress, less panic, and more well-being, then it's about quieting that voice and being here with whatever is happening. And people can do that in lots of different ways. Um, there are some people who call it meditation. Um, and I know that brings up a whole lot of things. Some people it's good and some people they go, oh, med meditation. But I want to call it just like taking a moment and being specific about what you're noticing. Um, and, and it's noticing the things that are here, not something else. I, I, there are lots of great meditations where you close your eyes and, and I, I, I'm all about these as well, about closing your eyes and picturing yourself on a beach. That's great. But that's not what we're talking about with mindfulness right now. We're talking about being present here, which means noticing what's around you. Now, obviously, what's around me is vastly different than what's around you, right? But take a minute to just think about wh what are the surfaces that are around you. Even if you take your hands and stick them on whatever is closest by, is it cold? Is it hard? Is it smooth? Um, how, what does it feel like under your fingers? This is that simple of a thing to just say, what are, what is the feeling of where your hands are? Or what is the feeling of where your feet are? Put your feet flat on the floor and feel your feet. This is a technique we can do with very little kids to help them when they're having anxiety. Um, put your hands, what do you feel? Do you feel your hands touching the table? Because you know what it does? It, it like occupies their brain and gets them present. And when you're present, nothing bad is happening right now. And even little kids who are nonverbal can understand that if we get them present. 
And it also, as a, as a course of when you get present and you're noticing the things around you, your breath kicks in and it lowers so that instead of breathing up here, you're breathing lower. And that's what we want when we want to be calm and centered. Um, so taking a little bit of time every day to, you know, I don't think it's possible. I certainly can't be present every single moment of every day. Man, it can be exhausting when you have to be present, right? And I do like to tune out, man. I, you know, I, I like for my brain to visit creative places and places that I'm not. So I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. It's just that if you aren't present for part of the day, you miss things. And it, there's the potential to get into a place where being in, in the world can be overwhelming to you. So I think just practicing mindfulness, as simple as putting your hands on the table and breathing. We talked last week about the three breath rule, that if you just take three deep breaths and three slow exhales, everything gets better. And maybe it gets a lot better, maybe it just gets a little bit better, but everything gets better. And we can teach these things to our kiddos. Um, from a very early age, we talked about the breathing buddies putting the stuffed animals on their stomach and saying, let's make it go up slowly and let's make the stuffed animal go down slowly. You're teaching them how to breathe. Uh, and, and we can demonstrate that with the stuffed animals. So even if we have a child who has very little expressive language, I have seen people take kids that you would think could not do this, that were nonverbal and constantly in motion, get them on the floor, put a stuffed animal on, and they can do it. So if, you, if your head is saying, no, my kid can't do it, just try. Just try, model the behavior, reward them and, in a very soft way and say, oh, you're doing so good, you know, but that taking a couple of minutes or even a, even a couple of seconds a day, um, but doing it on a regular basis, you will see that the, I always love when I talk about the mindfulness moment because I get calmer even talking about it. It's amazing how centered we can get and allow ourselves to be. So if we get present, um, as adults, and I, I suspect that this happens for our kiddos too, um, one of the things that will intrude will be thoughts, right? Whenever we're trying to be present, you put your hands on your table and, and for a second you go, okay, I can feel the table. And then you think, oh my gosh, I didn't take care of that thing that I have a deadline for, right? It just intrudes, right? If we're really practicing mindfulness, then we let the thought go. We don't criticize it and say, I'm trying to be mindful here. We just let it go like a car passing on the street, right? And just, you know, let it be. Not comment on it and go back to feeling our fingers on the table or whatever it is that we're choosing to meditate on. A lot of people love it, and I don't know why it's particularly effective. If you have something that's part of nature and living in front of you and you just study it. Um, and you'll find that the conversation will come up and go, oh, I never knew that leaves had that many veins, right? And you just let it go and go back to looking at it, experiencing a leaf. I know it sounds airy-fairy, but there is something about symmetry in nature that helps people to focus. Don't know why. Um, so if that helps you, a real flower, a real blade of grass, a real leaf, um, you know, a, a real tree and just study it to help you to be more centered. Um, but whatever it is, take the time, even if it's just the three breaths. 
but you will see thoughts will come and sometimes a thought that you've been ignoring will come and it won't go away. Um, and, and sometimes it's because it's clarity. It's like your inner self shouting and it might be a voice saying, you know, that relationship that you're in, it's not okay. Or, um, it's not okay if somebody talks to me that way, or I really need to get to the doctor to have, you know, this looked at like, uh, like things will bubble up. And if it's something that's persistent, um, it's time, you know, you gotta, you gotta take the pen and write it down and say, okay, you know, I need to go to the doctor to have this and so looked at. And you put it there and go, okay, it's there. I'm going to do it. And then you go back to being mindful. But those little messages from inside ourselves are important. And we don't want to push them away. We do a lot of that in the day and go, I'll worry about that later, right? And there is an element to that, to writing it down. But writing it down goes, I'm paying attention. I'm paying attention and I'm going to do that. Um, and, and, you know, and then, and then we do need to move that up on the list. We may not do the very next thing, but we move it up on the list and say, afterwards, when you're done having your mindfulness moment going, well, okay, what is that? And you might feel some feelings come up because part of the reason why we pushed it down is because it can be overwhelming. But this is part of the, the, the conversation of moving forward that sometimes the thing that we're afraid of, that we don't want to do, we push down, push down, push down, it gets to a point where, you know, it's right here and we can't see anything else but it. And it's time to say, okay, what do I have to do to have movement on this? Not to solve it, but what do I have to do to have movement on it? There are two things in particular that, that come to mind for me um, that I remember a time when I, I, all day long, I've been using the example of fifth grade. There was a time when my son was in fifth grade and I felt as our viewer who wrote it and said, I feel like we've stagnated. I sort of felt like things weren't where I thought they were going to be. And I was afraid, uh, about why was that, but I wasn't afraid enough to do anything about it yet. But I did something like this and I said, okay, I got to do one thing. What's the one thing I should do. And a lot of times when you get quiet, that one thing that you should do, it, it, like your head will scream it at you. And I knew that I needed to have Card come in to school and look at what was happening and give me feedback. So I made the call to Card and I said, you know, I need for you guys to come in and just look and tell me what you think. And, uh, and the, we had, they set up two different therapists to come on two different days, at both of whom I knew. And one of them was the therapist who'd gone away to Dubai and was back. Um, the other one was a therapist that had been on our team that I really respected too. She came and looked and she said, well, you know, I feel like this is happening. And she said, and I think he's bored. And she gave some suggestions and I was like, okay. Uh, and then Peter Farrig, who was the brilliant therapist who went away to Dubai, came in and he looked at it and Peter knew me super well and said pretty much the same thing, said, I think he's bored. I think he needs to be challenged more. I think you need to put more in there. But he just said it in a different way. And I heard it in a different way. And he said, when did you give up on progress? <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> like the thing I did not want to hear. When did you give up on progress? Um, but that was the truth because I had gotten content. I had gotten content. My kid was doing well. 
Um, so I didn't want to push anymore because hadn't he been pushed enough? Hadn't I been pushed enough, you know? Um, but opening my heart and my mind to the idea of paying attention and being mindful, which led me to calling card and saying, come in. And then led me to Peter saying, when did you give up on progress? Okay. Um, and so then I had, and then it was overwhelming. It was like, what are we going to do? And I had to look at it and go, okay, I just got to do one thing. And a lot of times, you know, it's the scary thing is the first thing. And the, and the first thing was, I got to look at this and see if there's a better situation for him. Is there a place where he could get more challenged, but that I would be okay? And it led to us putting him in a different school. Um, and, um, and then recently, you know, I, for a long time, I've been driving a very long way to get here to the studio. And I've been saying to my husband for the last three or four years, oh, we got to move, we got to move, we got to move closer, we got to move closer. And it wasn't right, it wasn't the right time, and it was too overwhelming. But then it got to the time when it was past the time that it needed to happen. And the reason why it wasn't happening was because of all of my fear of all the things that had to be done. And it got to the point where it was screaming at me and I had to say, okay, what's the one thing I have to do that starts this series of things happening? So we have, we moved like three weeks ago and let me just tell you, you want to talk about uncomfortable and I'm still uncomfortable. I'm still not unpacked all the way and it's, it's difficult, but I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And already it's been something that it's been able for, you know, everybody in my family, it's been able to move us forward. But I want to put it out there to you guys. I know that it's scary sometimes to rock the boat. But for the parent who wrote in and said, I'm not getting all my hours um, and I'm not happy about it, I'm with you. You shouldn't be happy about it. You shouldn't settle for that. Um, you, but don't, don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. You need to first you know, say, what's the one thing I need to do? And I would suggest to you that it's calling your ABA provider and saying, what's happening? communicate with me. Is this, are you guys comfortable with this? Because if you're content with this, I got to go look for another ABA provider. But if you're not comfortable with this, if you're not content, if you're accepting that you're at this in this moment, but you're trying to do more, tell me what you're trying to do more and how can I help? Um, I think everyone working with an ABA provider should be helping them to recruit and find more people because we don't have enough therapists. And I would say to any of you who are watching this show who need a job, um, you know, I know lots of parents who became RBTs and became BCATs and went, and you just can't work in the same office that your child is in, but we have lots of parents who work at CARD and their child is being treated at another center and they're uh, a, a technician at, at a different center. Man, that's a great job. You want to make a difference in the world and help your child at the same time because the level of how you help your child will go, phew because you're learning more and more and more. So I encourage you, uh, look, at, look at what is happening in your life right now. Take an opportunity to take the mindfulness moment. Uh, get meditative with yourself in whatever way you can and hear what bubbles up, write it down, take a little bit of action uh, and then go back to mindfulness uh, see what bubbles up, write it down, take a little bit of action. If you go slow um, and listen to yourself, not only will you have less stress, but you will move forward. 
Things have a way of happening when we get in tune with ourselves and what's happening. We're totally out of time, and I've had such a lovely time with you guys today. You hold hands. Si se puede, right? I hope you'll check out the Interact app. And we are going to be back. Next Wednesday is our big Halloween show. Uh, it will be Halloween at Card is off the rails, especially at corporate. So uh, it's very rare that show day is actual Halloween day. So it will be full on nuts here. But I encourage you, you will want to tune in. Nancy Oswald Jackson and I always make a showing of uh, doing something. And I hope you're going to enjoy what we're doing this year. So uh, until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.